All right, testing out the brain. Well, hey, everybody. Good, Welcome. Good. Glad you good. are here. Let me mute this. So there we go. That's better. Um, I think we got it going. Look, we're like, you know, nine seconds in and it's still working. So that's good. <laughs> hey, everybody. Um, welcome. Lumpy Dog, the little angel fish on the thumbnail looked like a fleet of Star Wars fighters. Yeah, I know. Isn't that a cool picture with like the blue? Yeah, I like that shot a lot. <laughs> well, hey, everybody. Thanks for coming on over. Real thing. Good to see you. Hope the angels are doing well. Uh, Rex Lee, welcome. Good to have you back. Mile high. Hey, hey. Although there's no Dank, so I don't get to watch you and Dank, uh, you know, banter, which is always fun, but that's okay. That's okay. Maybe Dank will make it later after he gets off work. I don't know. Lumpy Dog, thanks for being here. Thanks for being the mod. I appreciate it. Charlie, Viola, voila. Um, candy overhauls. Hey, welcome. Susie Q, the water nurse. <laughs> um, M. How Nines, fish tanks. Hey, M. How Nine, good to see you. Hangar, Bob, welcome. Glad you made it. Hey, Hangar, any any luck with the uh, those babies? They doing okay? Those are tough ones. They're so itty-bitty. Um, all right, looks like folks are piling in. 54 Punchy made it. Awesome. Devin Peppers, welcome. And Daryl Dimer. Or is it Deemer? Or is it Dimer? I think it's Dimer. I'm going to go with that. Correct me if it's not Dimer, like the coin, dime. Um <laughs> Adrian, glad you popped over. Thanks for coming on over, Adrian. Vinoski. Vinoski Tank. Bob Kaler, welcome. Jadrin made it. Hey, Jadrin, I'm glad you could make it, man. Um, I'm curious, Jadrin, how's that water sprite doing? I'm I'm hoping it like is starting to take over your life. In my experience, give water sprite a few weeks and it like becomes your entire experience unless you thin it out. It's it's intense stuff. It grows super quick, which is why I like it, why it works so well for me. Um, anyway, hey, everybody. So we're going to be doing a couple things today. Number one, we are going to be, um, I'm going to talk a little bit to start about breeding angelfish, just because I've got so many angelfish that have bred recently that, uh, you know, I've, uh, I don't know, that's been a big part of my life <laughs> for the last few weeks. So I, I want to talk about it while it's fresh in my memory. And then after we talk about angelfish, um, I'm going to update you on the stuff that's currently breeding in my fish room. Besides angelfish, there's quite a few things going on. Then I'm going to give a, a quick little update on the getgills.com website, uh, which is a great place to buy and sell aquarium fish. We've made some changes since last week. We've uh, had a lot of feedback, had a lot of questions. And so I want to just update you on the, the changes and the progress we've made with that. And then we'll open it up to a free-for-all. So that's the docket for the night. If you have a question or a comment for me, please put it at Dan's Fish. Um, and then unless your Mile High Plecos, it'll highlight and I'll see it and go right to your comments. So that way... Um, I'm not scrolling through the feed forever looking for questions or comments to reply to because that's always really boring, right? Watching someone just look through the feed and try to find something. So if it's something uh, that I can reply to or to make the chat lively or whatever, um, please put it at Dance Fish. It'll highlight in orange. I'll see it real quick and jump straight to it. So um, let's start with 
uh, talking angelfish. So I have had a ton of angelfish pair up and spawn and had a lot of babies. So there were, I think, five pairs that spawned and uh, raised successful hatches from. So once that happens, I list them as proven breeding pairs and sell them off because I don't need five pairs of angelfish. So I just sold the last pair. And then the next day, another pair spawned. So, <laughs> so they just keep coming. And I've been having really luck with these platinum angelfish. The one thing that is a little difficult with them is the fertility rate isn't really high. But I don't think that's because the males have a fertility issue. I think it's just because they're new at this. So they don't quite know where to place the milk to fertilize the eggs really well. I'll often notice the female will lay a stream of eggs and then the male will go off somewhere else and spray his milk on a different stream of eggs. So they aren't real precise yet. They're still learning. Um, but I just wanted to, to talk to you about how, how easy I think it can be to spawn angelfish if there's a couple things that are set up. I don't think it has to be a hard, big effort. So the way I've done it to get pairs, the easiest way, what it does take is some tank space. That's for sure. But I have a bunch of angelfish behind me, as you can see in this 125 gallon aquarium. And basically they're in there. They're fed well, the water's kept clean. The temperature is not high though. I'm not trying to induce breeding. So the temperature in that tank is mid 70s, 75, 77 degrees, somewhere around there. So you don't have to have high temperature, but I just keep the group together. And then every now and then a pair will, will form and you'll notice that they're a pair because they start hanging out together and kind of chasing other fish out of the area. Their breeding tubes will start descending and they just act like a pair. Once that happens, I just take the pair out. I throw them in their own tank. Although a lot of the tanks I put them in have like corridors, catfish. One of the tanks actually has swordtails in it and quarries, and they do just fine breeding in there. But I put them in another tank. I put a piece of PVC pipe in there that's leaning at an angle. And they'll usually spawn within a few days if the female is ripe and if her tube is down before I move her. So it, in my experience, get them in a nice big tank, get a bunch in there, and pairs will just happen. If you remove the pairs, they'll spawn pretty quickly. The, the change of tank helps stimulate the spawning and they usually go straight to that PVC pipe and lay their eggs on it. Once they've done that, leave them in there, at least I do, I leave them in there for a day because if I do that, so they spawn in the morning usually, I'll leave them overnight and then at the end of the next day, I'll take the pipe out and artificially incubate the eggs. The reason I leave it in for that day is because then any eggs that have fungus, it gives the parents a chance to pick those off. So when I put the pipe in the rearing container, the hatching container, I don't have a ton of fungus eggs in there on the pipe. The parents have had a chance to pick those fungus eggs off. So I leave them one night. If I leave them two nights, then by the next morning, all the eggs are almost always gone because by then they start kind of wriggling a little bit and, and the parents, at least in their first spawn or two, get really confused by that. So if you're willing to sacrifice some spawns, you can totally leave them in there, let the parents learn. And after a few spawns, they might be raising the fry on their own. But I just take them out 
put them in a two gallon uh, container of water, put an air stone over the eggs so that the water circulates, but the bubbles aren't hitting the eggs. And I put in six milliliters of uh, hydrogen peroxide, 3% hydrogen peroxide. And I don't change the water until the fry have hatched and I move them out of there. But every day I put in six milliliters of hydrogen peroxide. I do that while the eggs are incubating. As soon as they turn into wrigglers, so little tails will get out of the eggs and they'll start um, swimming with those tails to kind of exercise. Then I stop the peroxide because the egg membrane protects the fry from the peroxide. But I do fear that long term, freshly hatched fry with that yolk sac all out there exposed and everything um, in their fresh skin uh, could be burned by the hydrogen peroxide. So as soon as they start wriggling, I stop. Once they've wriggled for a day or two, depending on temperature, but right before they, they release from the pipe, so they'll, they'll be stuck to the pipe by a little string, a sticky string on their head. Before they release, I take that pipe out and I put it in a five and a half gallon aquarium. The five and a half gallon aquarium is well cycled, um, has plants in there and often has live food cultures in there. So I do that and I let the little babies kind of get to the point where they're free swimming. I immediately start feeding baby brine shrimp, microworms, and vinegar eels. And then after a few days, they're not just free swimming, they're like confidently free swimming and they've gained a little size. And then um, what you can do is it, I have these 20 gallon tanks that are amphipod cultures. So they're full of scuds and blackworms and, and detritus worms and stuff. And um, at that point, if I take them out and just put them in there, they grow super fast. Like within a month, I kid you not, they'll be an inch because um, they just have constant food. So I feed them still. Um, but between feedings, they're eating all that live food that's growing in there. It's a really simple, easy way to grow up a lot of baby angelfish um, without having to feed three, four times a day, without worrying that they'll miss a feeding, without them starving out. So once you get to that point, they just shoot right up. Again, no special temperature. I don't bump the heat up. It's the mid-70s. Um, the, the tanks I raise the fry in are really clean. They get multiple water changes a day. But that's kind of my strategy. Um, it's, uh, it's pretty simple and it, it works well for me. The only thing I think that would be easier is if the parents raised them on their own. And then once they were free swimming, you just removed the parents and maybe dumped a whole bunch of uh, <laughs> live food in there to keep them going. But yeah, that's the strategy. So if anyone has any questions about that, um, let's talk about it. Or we can talk about anything else fish related. I'm going to start scrolling through the chat, seeing if there's any at dance fish questions or comments. It can be about breeding angelfish. It can be about anything else. I'll get through the questions and comments that are there and highlighted for me to read. Again, if you make them at dance fish, then I'll get right to them. And um, once I'm done that, then I'll talk about an update of what's bred recently in the fish room, what's going on, and then a, a quick getgills.com update. So that's the plan. I'm going to get to it. Um, so scrolling and looking and I, I overfished, like I went fly fishing and the next day my wrist was hurting <laughs> from just too much fly fishing action. So I've got a little brace on, so it's making it really awkward for me to use my, my mouse. 
<laughs> so I'm going to do my best here, but it might take me just a little longer than normal because the brace gets in the way. All right. Gone Mad says, Dance Fish, what's the best way to contact you about fish room racks? Um, well, we can talk about it right now, but you can email me, dan at dansfish.com. You can email me, dan at getgills.com. You can leave me a Facebook message um, on the Dan's Fish page. You can message me through there. But email's the best, dan at dansfish.com or dan at getgills.com. I check those uh, at least once a day, often more. So yeah, I'd be happy to talk with you about that. But um, if there's anything specific that you want to know about that here, there's a lot of people here that have uh, built fish room racks and can, can answer questions or tell you their experience. So um, where are you at on the project? What are you trying to do? Uh, if you have any questions, let us know. All right. And by the way, Gone Mad, um, welcome. I don't know if I've seen you on the channel before. If I have, then sorry. If I've forgotten, then just I'm sorry. There's a lot of users and I don't have a great memory for names. But um, if this is your first time or it's been a long time or something, then welcome. Glad to have you here. JH, glad you made it, man. Glad you made it. How's the island? Um, all righty. So I'm scrolling down looking for more questions and comments that are highlighted at Dan's Fish. Rich Rex, are discus as easy as angels? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, from what I've observed, I think discus are probably easier if the fry latch onto them, um, if the fry learn to eat off them, because then the parents basically feed the fish. So the fry will just graze on the slime on the side of the parents and they have their food source right there. So they're really easy to feed. It can be a little more difficult if the parents are a light colored fish because the fry are attracted to the dark color of the parents. So if you notice, discus that have fry that are feeding on them often turn pretty dark and that's to attract the fry to them. Now I want to put in a big caveat, which is I've sold a lot of discus. I've kept a lot of discus. I've never bred discus. I never set it up that way. I've never raised batches of discus here in my fish room. I've seen lots of other people do it and uh, I've, you know, learned a lot about it, but that's my caveat is I'm not a discus expert. So as much as I said is as much as I have observed, but it's not firsthand experience. And that's the experience that really matters. So I'm not the expert on that, Rich. But I, you know, the challenge with baby fish is getting them to eat and keeping the water clean. And with discus, as long as the babies go to the parents and start feeding, which they kind of usually do naturally, um, then that, that feeding issue is is no longer an issue then it's just an issue of keeping the water clean and the parents happy hey i got a super chat awesome i'm gonna check that out um bob Kaler's fish hobby dance fish thanks for your getkills.com email hey you're welcome thanks for making a store on there bob i love the pleco in your uh your store logo or your your store image that pleco is good looking and yeah i hope that it's useful i hope that uh yeah, I hope you can post some fish on there or find some fish on there that you want to buy. So for those that don't know, getgills.com is a website that launched very recently that my brother and I um, created. And it's a great place to buy fish or sell fish online. So anyone that has fish for sale, if you have one fish or 100 fish, you can go post them there. Or if you're looking for fish to buy, you can browse what other people post there. And it, uh, 
I think is a good website because it's easy to post thumbnail pictures and videos and, and all that stuff. So, um, in fact, let's naturally then segue into what we've done. Here's the list of what we've done on the Get Gills website since we last talked. So a couple things. One is people asked if we could put a plant category on getgills.com and we've done that. So now you can post plants in their own category instead of in the other category. Um, so that's been done. We've also added different shipping methods. So now instead of just priority mail, you can do small, medium, or large priority mailboxes. The same with FedEx and UPS and Express and several different mailing options. And we are changing things a bit to make shipping fully customizable. So instead of picking shipping options from a list, you can actually type in the shipping option you're using. Um, so you can type it in and maybe put a description uh, of what that shipping method is. So it's a little more customizable for you. And what that's going to do is help folks that aren't in the United States sell fish on the platform too, because it's, it's going to be pretty difficult for us. We can do it, but it's a lot easier to have people just enter the shipping method they're using instead of us have to make a list of every shipping method in the world <laughs> in every country that we service that could be used to ship fish. So, so that change is going to be made as well. And I think it'll be easier for you guys and for us. Um, couple other things is, um, let's see here. I need to add some saltwater stuff. There was a, a request last night that we had a, a category for saltwater fish, um, saltwater corals and saltwater inverts. I don't think there are any freshwater corals. Other oh, probably is. Um, and so I need to get to that. I've been trying to get to that all day, but I've been tied up with some more critical stuff, but we'll get to that soon. And then we noticed something is that, um, it was on your username, it was making you put in a capital username. So you had to make the first letter of your username capitalized. And if you're on mobile, that's a pain in the butt, right? Going to get caps on on mobile is just an extra step. So we're aware of that and that'll be something that changes pretty quickly. So if you're a mobile user, when you go to create your username, uh, you won't have to put in caps. So just a little detail, but we're, we're at that point where we're at the little details, just trying to make the functionality a lot smoother. There are a couple of cool things on the website, and I'm going to segue just very briefly and show you this. Um, Wichita posted some stuff, and I think it's killer. So I want to show you a couple items. So Wichita posted these, which are green phantom plecos. They're awesome looking. And this is one of my favorite plecos ever, the green phantoms. I just think they're beautiful. I know they're not the most rare of the L number plecos, but they're, they're not, you know, as common as bushy nose or anything. And I think they're gorgeous. So um, I think his price is good. I've received fish from uh, Wichita. And so uh, Wichita Falls Fish Keeper is the official name. And so um, I know that he does a good job shipping. So I, I feel confident in recommending those. The other one that he has, and I think these are great. These are two pairs of snakeskin endlers. And these are great because they're not fresh imports. These are line bred, so they throw true. So if you look at all the males in here, uh, the picture's not the greatest, but if you look, they're all fairly uniform, which on snakeskins is quite an accomplishment. Here's some females. 
but often you'll buy endlers and you'll breed them and then they'll throw offspring that are completely different from the parents. These are nice because they're, they're pretty consistent. He's line bred these for consistency. So, and, and they're only 20 bucks for two pairs, 10 bucks a pair, which for line bred endlers bred here in the USA, that's a, that's an extremely good deal from what I've seen out there. Um, I'm trying to get some Santa Maria endlers and I can't find them for less than a hundred bucks a pair right now. So <laughs> 20 bucks for two pairs is sounding really good at the moment. Um, so those are some of the updates, Bob, um, that we've done to the website. And I'm, I'm hoping we're making it as user-friendly as we can and getting it fine-tuned. So it just becomes a delightful experience. But um, thank you for creating a store on there. Thanks for checking it out. And uh, I appreciate that. And thanks for the super chat, Bob. I really appreciate that. Okay, I'm going to scroll back up and see the other questions I missed. Um, okay, so... Oh, it's hard to scroll with this wrist brace on, man. It just, it gets in the way. Here we go. Jadrin, what pH levels are you keeping your adults at? So um, Jadrin, I'm here. This is the first time in my life I have water that is soft. So my pH tends to be just barely on the acidic side. Um, and I haven't tested in a while. I honestly don't test pH very often at all, but last time I tested it, it was in the high sixes. So I don't know, six, eight or so. Um, when it first comes out of the tap, it's in the mid sevens, but, but that's just so it doesn't corrode the pipes. And then quickly that buffering capacity degenerates and it ends up being slightly acidic or just right around neutral. So my water's pretty soft here in the pH, um, Personally, I think hardness is more the parameter to watch more than pH for most fish, but uh, it's, it's soft and if it's acidic, it's pretty slightly acidic, at least last time I tested it. Now, that being said, I've kept angels and raised angels in very hard water when I lived in California. So if, if that question is in regard to what we were talking about, about breeding angelfish, I honestly think the pH doesn't matter. Most strains of angelfish have been bred so long in captivity um, that they're used to the harder water. Florida's bred them forever and they have extremely hard water. So unless it's a wild pair, I don't think the pH is going to be detrimental to their fertility. So those are my thoughts, Jadrin, about pH. Um, KC at Dan's Fish. Do you let angels breed all year long or change temp to only let them spawn half the year for better yields? So Casey, I'm not, um, I just leave the temperature pretty much the same. Now, this is a basement, it's pretty well insulated, but in the summer, it does get a little warmer in here. So it'll get, oh, the highest it's ever gotten in here is the really low 80s, high 70s for on an extremely hot, you know, couple days or something like that. And in the winter, I keep the fish room at 77 degrees. That means the tanks on the bottom racks can be around 73, 74 degrees. And the tanks on the top racks can be maybe as high as 78 degrees. So there is a little natural seasonal fluctuation. I don't do that on purpose, though. And I'm not actually trying to breed the angelfish. Um, 
part of what I guess I'm trying to communicate when I was talking about them is I don't think you have to do anything really special to breed them. If you keep them clean, feed them well and have a group, as long as the temperature isn't really low, they'll just breed for you. So I just keep the fish room in the mid 70s because that's where most of the fish that I keep like to live at. And uh, the angelfish are spawning great at that temperature. So, yeah. Um, so I'm not going for better yields. I'm not trying to strategize for mass production or anything like that. So I don't mess with the temperature on them. Turbo fish. Bred Gudea yet. Um, so turbo fish. I have some Xenotoka uh, dodroi, which I haven't shown anyone yet. Um, it's just two females, but they're gravid. So when I got them, they were already gravid. I've had them for a couple weeks now. So they will be dropping fry here, I don't know, in the next couple weeks. And then I can say I bred the Goodyeads. Um, now, I, I do have, uh, yeah, then I can say I bred a true Goodyead, I suppose. If you consider Xenotoka dodroi, dodroi, ah, it's so hard to say, <laughs> a, a Goodyead. But mostly the wild type libraries I breed are the uh, Limias, Limia perugiae and Limia nigrofasciata. So the Haitian Limia and the uh, humpback Limia. So how about you, Turbofish? Are you into Goodyeads? And if so, what do you have? What are you breeding? And uh, if you have any babies to sell, get gills.com, man. <laughs> Hangar 77 at Dance Fish. The fryer's still eating. Good. Crushed flakes and first spice. Changing the water three times a day. They are tiny. That's awesome. So Hangar is trying to nurse up some surprise golden barb fry. Um, I'm sure, I'm sure, Bob, you don't mind me saying this, I hope. Um, and uh, barb fry are like tetrafry. They're just little glass slivers with an eye dot <laughs> when they first hatch. And so um, they were kind of unexpected. So we're trying to on the fly, you know, get them get them going. So Bob, I hope you have good luck with that. Hope that that works long term. But I think you're doing the right thing, feeding them and changing the water a lot. As long as you keep that water clean and can keep that food in front of them, you'll probably do okay. Good thing about golden barbs is they're they're one of the hardier, more domesticated uh, barbs to, to raise. So hopefully they'll make it through. I hope they do, man. Brett Barr at Dan's Fish. Do you have info on setting up the live food tanks? So I'll tell you how I do it. I set them up just like any other tank, except for they don't have a box filter. They just have a sponge filter. So the box filters I have are for removing uh, particulates in the water column. So I just set up a, a normal tank. It can be any size. I usually use a 20 long or a 30 breeder. Um, I also have live food cultures and going in my five and a half gallon tanks when there aren't any fish in them just so they're still cycled and ready for fry or ready for breeders. Um, basically a, a system where if I put an adult pair in there to breed, they'll have tons of live food and get real fat real quick and be able to spawn. Or if I throw babies in there, there's tons of live food. So my little five and a half gallon tanks often have live food in them. Generally it's a 20 gallon long. It has a sponge filter on one side. It has, um, it's a bare bottom tank. I have floating water spray in it, and that's pretty much it usually. Every now and then I'll put in like a little container with uh, rocks in it, like pumice or something, 
that scuds like that, they can go into those rocks and dig around and cling on to stuff. But pretty much is as, it's as simple as a bare bottom tank with a sponge filter and uh, some plants. I have a light on it because that keeps the plants going and some algae growing, which the life food can graze on. I do, they are on an automatic water change. So they get either a 33% water change every 24 hours. Yeah, that's about the average, 33% water change every 24 hours. Um, I've dialed that down on some of the tanks to more like a 15% water change, you know, once a day. And then depending on the live food in the tank, I feed them different things. So if it's black worms in the tank, then I feed them um, like algae wafers because that's got a good bit of protein, but also some uh, plant content. They're an omnivore. So I feed those and I feed a, a shrimp pellet. And the reason I feed that is because a long time ago, I bought a whole bunch of algae wafers from uh, Ken's Fish and I ended up not liking them a lot for my fish. So it's just a cheap food I had sitting around that I didn't want to feed my fish. So I fed them that. And then the shrimp pellets are uh, cobalt shrimp pellets. I bought a big tug, tub of them. And then I really didn't like that food for my fish either. So I just feed that to the live food. So it's kind of waste food, I guess. Leftovers is what I feed the live food. Um, if it's scuds, then I feed those. But I also supplement that with a lot of vegetable matter. They love zucchini, any, pretty much any fruit or vegetable matter. One of their favorite things is cantaloupe rinds. Like when you eat your cantaloupe and you have the rind left with a little bit of the orange on there, if you dump that in the tank, they'll just attack that and they'll eat it down to like this paper thin shell of rind left. Uh, so pretty much any fruit or vegetable matter I'm sure there's, I'm sure onions wouldn't be good. I'm sure avocados might be a problem, but you know, your normal stuff that that's normal fruit, <laughs> normal veggies, <laughs> I guess you can feed them. And they really like that. Um, also, if, if I have a spawning mop in a tank and it gets a ton of algae on it, I'll take it out and I'll put it in the scud uh, tank and they'll just eat all that algae up. They love algae. So pretty much I treat them like fish. I keep them in a bare bottom tank with a filter. I change the water frequently and I feed the heck out of them and they just grow and bloom. And there's tons of live food in those. Now that does take a lot of room. I think a lot of times with live food cultures, we make the mistake of being like, well, it's live food. I'm going to put it in this little, I don't know, margarine tub or something. And that's just those habitats are so uh, small and unstable that they tend to crash real quick on you. So in my experience, if it's an aquatic live food, like black worms or scuds or detritus worms or anything like that, snails, um, just treat them like fish. Keep them in an aquarium, filter them, change the water and, and feed them a lot. So I hope that answers that question, Brett. Um, if you have any follow-up questions or I can clarify anything, let me know. I do want to clarify one thing. I don't, like I, I have fruit flies as well. I don't keep them in aquariums. I keep them in your typical fruit fly containers. Microworms I keep in little containers, vinegar eels in little containers. So it's it's not for every live food, but I, I think it works well for, for the larger live foods. The next one I'm going to try in a 20-gallon long is probably Daphnia. I haven't tried that yet. Uh, yeah. Rich Rex at Dancefish, what's the best color background for discus and angelfish? So I honestly don't 
think that they care that much. Discus keepers tend to keep discus against a white background, but that's because they are anal retentive <laughs> OCD about keeping their tank clean. And that way they can see any little spot of algae and scrub it off. That's, that's your typical discus tank is it's completely bare and the uh, keeper is constantly scrubbing it down so you don't get any biofilm growing on it. It's, it's almost a sterile environment. That's not how I keep my discus, but that's, that's how a lot of people do it. Now, different colors of discus look good against dis different backgrounds, so it depends. I've found that when I keep my discus in a tank with a black background, they just seem to be a little more comfortable. So that's what I ended up doing most of the time was a black background. Um, but it depends. Some people don't do that because they don't want their discus turning dark. And if you put it against a back, a black background, they'll have a tendency to turn darker. So if you want the discus to stay lighter, keep it in a lighter colored background. If you want it to stay darker, keep it in a darker colored background. And even though I said they tend to settle in better against a black background, which I think is true, it doesn't mean they won't settle in against a white background. They'll totally do that. It just might take a little longer or something. But once they're settled in, I don't think the background color matters to them very much. Once they're comfortable, they're like, they're like little dogs. They just come up to the front of the aquarium and beg for food and they're outgoing and all that. So long term, I think it's up to you what color you want. For quarantine and for kind of getting them used to uh, life in your fish room, I think a black background can help that stage. So that's a roundabout way of finally getting to that. <laughs> Sorry, Rich, that was a little circular, but I think we got you there. Um, for angelfish, I have never found that it makes a difference. I would just keep the angelfish against whatever background you think they'll pop best against. I keep mine against a black background because mine are platinum. So they're this bright white and they really pop against the black background. So um, that's why I do that. But maybe you have a black colored angelfish and you want to see it better. I think you could put it against a, a white background, especially a domesticated strain. They're so used to captivity that they'll be fine. If it's a wild type, they might feel more comfortable in a darker background, at least until they settle in. But the domesticated strains, they're pretty adaptable. So anyway, Rich, I hope that helped. Uh, let me know if you have any follow-ups. So looking for the next one. Hey, Petsotics, welcome. Glad you are here. Hey, Wichita, glad you're here. So um, I've got some, if you have any, if anyone has any other questions or comments uh, that they want me to, to get right to, please make them at Dan's Fish and then I can jump right to them and see them easily. Man, this thing is itchy. I don't know if you've ever had to wear one of these, but I don't know, it's kind of like a cast, it's super itchy. But um, I have some news about goings on in the fish room. So I've got some neat spawns that have happened recently. The uh, the better rubra spawned again, They're just, they just keep going. And all their babies are starting to, to want to spawn too. In fact, I shipped a pair out a couple weeks ago and the person I shipped them to got to me a few days later and said, hey, he's holding. So they weren't really big, but they're, they're already spawning. Um, so that's going on, which is cool. The Limia Perugier have dropped another big batch that I'm raising up. So got a bunch of those. I've got a bunch of Corridors and Neas growing up. 
And then the um, Santa Maria Endler project, they just released their latest batch. So in a few weeks, they'll color out and I'll be able to see how much closer we are. We're getting really close. The batch before this one was to the point where sometimes they looked almost exactly like the parents and it was maybe 70% of them did. So this next batch, I'm hoping we're, we're almost there. I think it'll be this next batch and maybe one more, maybe two more, but that project is coming along nicely. We're getting really close to uh, an alternate line of Santa Maria Endlers and maybe it's the Santa Maria two, just to not confuse it with the other line. And then the, other thing is I got a bunch of killifish. So when I was in California, I went to the uh, Bay Area Killifish Association meeting and I got some gold Australis, which I love. I got some Gardner I P82s, which are one of the, I think, nicer looking Gardner I. Big red spots, bright orange margins on the fin. Um, and then I got some species I've, I've never had before. I got a new Aphiosimian called Aphiosimian Cofe, C-O-F-E. Um, that's not the species name. That's the location code. It doesn't have a, it hasn't been identified yet as far as I know. And so I'm, I'm working on those ones. I also got a cool South American annual, which the name changed on me and now I can't remember. It's not a Simpsonichthys. I'll have to get back to you on that, but it's a South American annual species. So it, it dives into the dirt to spawn. And then the last one is Fundalopanchax cinnamoensis, I think is how you say it, which I've never kept before either. So I've, I've got those and I'm starting to set them up to breed. Right now I have them um, in live food culture tanks to fatten them up and get them ready. Then I'll separate the males and females and throw in some spawning mops and we'll see, we'll see what happens. So I'm excited about that. So that's what's going on in the fish room. Um, all right, let me scroll here and I saw some other questions. Jadrin, have you listed the newest breeding pair yet? If you're selling them for the same amount as the last pair, I'll go ahead and buy them. Um, are you, Jadrin, which, I'm sorry, I'm not sure which fish you're asking about there. So the answer is maybe. Have you listed the newest breeding pair yet? If you're selling them for the same amount as the last pair, I'll go ahead and buy them. I, would you let me know which species you're talking about there? I'm not quite sure if it's the bettas or the live bearers or, or what. Cory boy's in the house. Hey, Cory boy. And Philly man, Pete, good to see you. Except wild altums. Yeah. So if, if we're talking uh, again about wild caught angels, um, that's different when you're talking about backgrounds and stuff like that. But uh for domestics, I don't think the background matters much. Yeah. So Philly Man Pete, for wild altums, I would go with black background. What are your thoughts on that? I think that would make them feel more comfortable, but I've never kept wild altums, so, so I'm not quite sure. Um, Devin Peppers at Dan's Fish. Does this sound like a good setup? Okay. A 55 to 75 gallon with an AquaClear 110 and a sponge filter is enough filtration you think for breeding for profit tank with shrimp, bristlenose, and endlers? Um, I'm not real familiar with the AquaClears, but I think so. I think that would work. It all depends on the bio load. It all depends on your maintenance schedule, honestly. So 
you could do a tank like that with, you know, just an air stone and no filtration if you change the water a lot. But um, I think that sounds good. I would just keep an eye on parameters. And if you find in a breeding for, for profit tank, you can start getting massive bio load. The, the shrimp can take off, the endlers can explode, and bristlenose are very prolific. So I think the key there, two things will help you out. Yeah, that's great. In my experience, if you throw some water sprite in there or some other really hardy, really quickly growing plant, that'll help maintain parameters because those plants will just suck waste out of that aquarium. Um, and it depends on how often you want to change the water as to when this happens, but you'll eventually notice your parameters starting to disintegrate a little bit just from biomass. And so then it's just a question of, um, do you get more filtration? Do you change water more often? Or do you uh, lower the biomass in the tank? So Devin, it's, it's hard to give you an exact answer because it depends on your biomass and your maintenance schedule. But I think in general, yeah, that sounds good. And, uh, the bigger the sponge filter, the better, in my opinion. So I'm not quite sure what size sponge filter you're talking about there. But I think that the sponge filter is what I would rely on for biological. And I would use the 110 just to remove particulates and keep the water clear. That's how I would look at it. But yeah, that sounds like a good setup, in my opinion. Um, does anyone else have any opinions about that? About a uh, 55 to 75 with an AquaClear 110 and a sponge filter for breeding for profit? I think that sounds pretty good. Again, everyone's maintenance schedule though and bio load expectations are different. So that'll that'll play a part in that. Corey Boy says your tequila sunrise guppies have exploded in my fish room. Well, hopefully that means they've had lots of babies and <laughs> not like got dropsy, but that's awesome, Corey Boy. I'm glad. They're they're beautiful. And um so I, I've been clear about this, but just I think, but just so everyone knows. The tequila sunrise guppies and i'm pretty much out of them now i mean i had a few hundred pairs so i'm not surprised and they kept breeding so but i finally i think sold through those um but if you get those from me then i often use those in other projects i'm currently using them in an endlers project so cory boy i bet you got a lot of really interesting stuff thrown in that a lot of yellow jackets a lot of uh even some santa maria types might show up at least after a few generations and some sunrise too. some sunrise guppy genes will stay in there, but I bet that's a cool looking tank full of babies, man, but I'm glad they're doing well. And I'm glad that they've exploded, hopefully figuratively <laughs> in your fish room. Um, but yeah, I shipped my last two pairs of those out this Monday. And by the way, good news, all the fish that um, I shipped this week arrived alive. In fact, I don't think I've had a fish arrive dead or haven't heard of any problems for at least two months now, maybe even three. So the success rate for shipping and getting fish to my customers alive this year is now in like the high 99 percentile. We're getting real close to 100. There was, I, I had one little blip. Um, I can't remember if it was early summer or late spring where the flagfish weren't shipping well, so I just stopped shipping them. And um, I think there was one or two other species that weren't shipping well. Skunk quarries didn't ship well. And there might have been another one. So when that happens, I just, I just stopped shipping those. And 
you know, disperse them locally. But besides those little couple blips, um, everything's been fine pretty much. So it's been, it's been a great year for shipping fish for me. Um, all right. Jadrin, the Platinum Angels. So yeah, Jadrin, um, they're available right now at getgills.com. Let me show you. Um, so yes, there's a pair, unless it's been snatched up right here, Jadrin, if you go to getgills.com, here's the pair. It's the same price. They're 50 bucks a pair, which I think is very reasonable for proven, um, breeders for angels. In fact, when I was researching what to price these, I couldn't believe some of the prices people were asking. So I was like 50 bucks. That's all I need to get. I think that's a good deal. So yeah, they're available right here and you can go to getgills.com and pick them up if you would like. And I've got a few others that are starting to show a little behavior, um, but they're, they're not very far along. I think it'll be a couple weeks at least before another pair goes, but yep. Philly man, Pete. Okay. I have found a black background for wild altums is very nice. They're very challenging to breed. I've not accomplished that feat. Yeah. Um, they have a reputation for being difficult and you know, so did, so did, uh, Terraphylum scolari though, the common angelfish that used to be hard when it was first imported too. It's just a matter of getting them established and getting a few generations bred in captivity. And, and from there it's, it gets easier. Um, Ted Judy did a neat series of videos where he went to Columbia and he hung out with the person that collects and exports a person. I don't know if it's the person, but a person who collects and exports Altam Angels from Columbia. And so you get a look at how they're kept. Um, he tested their water. And if I remember right, the pH was like, I don't know, in the fours, maybe I mean, it was really low. I can't remember exactly the pH, but, um, so any animal coming from such acidic water is going to be challenging to keep for the first few generations. Cause it's not used to bacteria. Um, the it's gametes aren't used to any hardness in the water. So yeah, they're, they're definitely a challenge. Um, my fish godfather, Jim Forche, uh, used to keep some massive angels in a 360 gallon tank. And I think they were Altums. They might've been Dumerals, if that's even a thing. I'm trying to remember as a, as a teenager <laughs> what they were called, but they were huge and man, they were stunning. I'm pretty sure they were Altums. But Philly man, Pete, I hope you, I hope you crack that, that code and get those breeding. Um, they're a fish that I can't wait until they get more stable in the hobby and captive bred are regularly available because they're just so stunning. They're just so big. <laughs> they're awesome. Um, Redneck Aquatics, this is a Nat Dance fish, but I happen to see it. Um, what are your feelings about ordering angels from Angel Mania? I don't know. I've never dealt with Angel Mania. If anyone else here has, I've never even heard of them. I'm sure they're fantastic. I don't know. But if anyone here has ordered from Angel Mania, um, yeah, let's chime in and let Redneck Aquatics know. So um, if if you have a question or comment for me and I'm not seeing it and responding to it, it's probably because it's not at Dan's Fish. If you put the at symbol in Dan's Fish, then 
again, unless you're Mile High Aquatics, for some reason it doesn't work for him. Um, it'll highlight and I can jump straight to it. So anyone here that asked a question or put out a comment and I didn't respond to it, I'm sorry. It's, it's just because I didn't see it. Okay. Um, let's see here. Lumpy Dog, so this is in reference to the Breeding for Profit tank. I run a 55 with two medium-sized sponge filters and an AquaClear 30. The tank is loaded with guppy grass. Yeah, the uh, again, the plants will help a ton. And it's about bio-load and maintenance schedule. Wichita Falls at Dan's Fish. Have you ever kept Heterandra... Heterandria? <laughs> Formosa, the the library, yeah, the uh, the least killifish. Um, yes, I have, and I found them to be as hardy and easy as guppies. Couple differences: the females, if I remember right, didn't drop big batches of fry. Instead, they would have a small batch of fry every few days. Again, if I remember right, it's been a while, but I remember them being really hardy and being really active and kind of neat just because the males are so small. Um, but if I remember right, they don't have large batches of fry. So that makes it really important to have lots of plants in the tank so the fry can get away. When there's a big batch of fry, even if a few get eaten, they'll usually end up, if there's some cover, enough surviving that it's like, yeah, I got some fry. but. If they're only releasing one or two or three at a time or per day, then they'll just get gobbled up if they don't have good cover. So that was my experience with them. This was in California, so the water was super hard, which I'm sure they loved. And temperature, I didn't I didn't do anything special. It got, you know, low 80s in the summer. And in the winter, it might have got down to, uh, I don't know, the high 60s in that room. I didn't put a heater in them. Um, they're native. They're used to cold winters. So that's uh, that's my experience, Wichita, with uh, Hetrandria formosa, the least killifish, which is actually a live bear, not a killifish, interestingly enough. And Wichita, by the way, um, thanks for posting those fish at getgills.com. I've been, uh, anyone that posts stuff at getgills.com and Petsotics, thanks for posting your stuff there. Um, I tend to go around and share it. Like if it's a Pleco, I'll share it on Pleco platforms. And if it's a live bear, I'll share it on live bear platforms. So behind the scenes, I'm trying to work with you and for you to help your stuff get out there and sell. But I really appreciate you posting those on there. Uh, Petsotics, you as well. Um, okay. Uh, Corey Boy says, at Dan's Fish Room. But for some reason, it didn't highlight. <laughs> but I will try to do an update on the Fish Room this week. Awesome. I would love to see it. Um, I've, I've watched your stuff, some unboxings and stuff, but I'd love to see more. That would be great. Mr. B's going to bed because it's 4 a.m. Sweet dreams and well-deserved. <laughs> um, all right, let's see. Um, this one's not highlighted either, but I'm going to read it because I've been following uh, 54 Punchy's progress with her Farwellas for a while. I have another big batch of Farwella eggs, still have small fry in the breeder box, so I had to order another breeder box for the new batch of eggs. Yeah, well, congrats on the new batch. Um, 54, I don't know exactly what your situation is, but if there's any way you can get another tank, set it up without fishing it, maybe throw some black worms in there or something, let it cycle like crazy, I think that that could just be an 
an ideal environment for raising baby farwellas. Put in some driftwood, let it get some biofilm on it. Um, so I've been thinking about that. Breeder boxes work well, but I think if you keep getting more and more spawns, it might be nice to get a separate rearing tank. Uh, again, if you can, I don't know your situation, but the more established it is, the more life you have going in there without having other fish in there, the better when you throw those uh, fry in there. Um, cherry shrimp are great too in an environment like that. So anyway, just a thought. All right, um, let's see here. I skipped something because my wrist bumped. This stupid brace bumped uh, my... Mouse, here we are. Philly man, Pete, your fish godfather probably had the Altums. They can get 15 inches from tip. Yeah, it was probably them. From the tip of the dorsal to the anal fin, a truly spectacular angel at adult size. Yeah, they were awesome. They were in a 360 gallon tank, so they, <laughs> they had room to really be themselves. They were absolutely beautiful. Um, Lumpy Dog, Mile High Plecos, a guy that knows how to tie that dance fish. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, hopefully I haven't been missing your stuff, Mile High. I've been just search, scrolling and looking for orange, but I'll come back. Oh, we already, we just reached the bottom. Oh, Bob Kaler has a hint for folks that are having trouble making an at dance fish. So I see it when it highlights. It didn't highlight because it isn't auto-populated. People are trying to type in your name. Doesn't work. Huh. So, yeah, if you put, I think if you put at Dan's fish, yeah, here we go. It'll pop up. Then you auto-populate it and it'll be highlighted. Cool. So, yep, there we go. So let it auto-populate, folks, and hopefully it'll highlight then. All right, we're at the bottom, so I'm going to scroll back up and see what I missed that wasn't highlighted um, and get through some of this. So um, just scrolling kind of quickly, so I might miss some stuff. Looking for stuff that I missed. Down the wormhole. Hey, welcome. Love the, love the handle. That's a good one. <laughs> Hangar 77 still looks like they're eating crushed flakes in first bite. Oh, already read that. Sorry. So that's you answered your question about your gold barb fry. All right. So just bear with me for a second and then we'll we'll get going again. But just a second here. Oh, Jadrin, are you doing a calendar again? Jadrin says, hey, Joseph, better hurry with the calendar picks. I'm almost full already. So, um... I guess that means, Jadron, you're probably, sorry, I'm a little out of it. I, I had to go out of town. I launched this website. I haven't, I'm a little behind, but if you're collecting pictures for your calendar, um, folks should know about that. Yeah, that would be, if you have cool pictures, send them to Jadron so he can make his calendar. That sounds awesome. <laughs> Candy overhauls. <laughs> Trevor, Michael, Kevin now. <laughs> oh man, we're going to have to, uh, yeah, so many Michaels. So yeah, it's gonna be interesting. Okay, and my high plecos. I'm gonna legally change my name to Michael Trevor Kevin. Yep. Yep, do it. Do it. 
just at least for one live stream. <laughs> that is funny. Mr. B's fishing things. No, I don't play with the heat. Not sure why people do. My logic is the parents were comfortable enough to breed at temps. Why mess with it? Yeah. So I, I think that's in response to uh, talking about if people alter, if I altered the temperatures for breeding the rainbow fish. But that's how I kind of go about it. If the fish spawned in there and the eggs hatched, I figure it's good enough. Oh, Turbofish is working on Dodroy now as well. Cool. That's the one I'm working on. And uh, I, I know they're beautiful, but I just have females right now. So, yeah. Lumpy Dog posted a video on building racks. Oh, yeah. Great. Thanks, Lumpy Dog. So for the... Uh, viewer who was asking about how to contact me about building racks. There is that video that kind of outlines exactly how I do it, but maybe you're trying to do it differently and I can still help you out with, with however you're trying to do it. But yeah. Um, alrighty. And Bob Kayler's fish hobby. Love to support those who are active in the fish fam. And Bob, you do so much. I, I see you on other live streams and things, and you're always helping out, answering questions, throwing down a, a super chat, things like that. So thanks so much for your support of the Fish Fam and of the Dance Fish Channel. It's very much appreciated. <clears throat> the lucky smuck told me a schmuck, I suppose, told me about this yesterday. Cool. I don't know quite what it is, but cool. Maybe it's the stream. Welcome in that case. Philly Man Pete, I saw those green phantom plecos. Only one available? I believe Wichita has three available, don't you, Wichita? Um, I think. But I think you're posting on some different platforms, so maybe you don't want to say there's three and then have someone buy them somewhere else and get in trouble. But there's one available at getgills.com, but I think Wichita has three available total. Uh, Wichita, could you chime in there and clarify? I think Wichita Falls. Here's a shameless plug. If anyone buys the Endlers on the Get Gills website by Friday, I'll send you three pairs. Three pairs for 20 bucks. That's a steal. That's like, what, $7 and a pair, pretty much? $6 and 66 cents a pair, something like that. I don't do the maths, but that's awesome. That's amazing. Thanks, Wichita. That's that's fantastic. Lumpy Dog, who has forgotten to click that like button? Yeah, all y'alls. Let's do that. Um, I'm not going to do a countdown for a like spike or anything, but if you do like this stuff, please like and share. It helps out a ton. In fact, that's the, that's the best thing someone can do to support is um, being active in the chat's great, super chats are great, and all that's appreciated. And I totally don't want to like say those aren't important, but the best thing is sharing it getting other people to come here and building the audience um, or going to getgills.com and posting an item for sale. That would be fantastic. Um, the, the key to getting that website to work is getting more people to post stuff for sale on it because once we get enough stuff for sale on getgills.com, there'll be this tipping point to where it attracts enough buyers that there's consistent buyers there looking for stuff. And then that by turn attracts more sellers. And so what we really need right now is more people to post items for sale at getgills.com. So if, if you have stuff for sale and want a place to do it, 
I hope you do it at getkills.com. Let's just leave it at that. That's my shameless plug. Um, <clears throat> Corey Boy, Dance Fish Room. The better only live food or do they eat flakes? Um, so the better rubra I have for sale eat flakes, eat pellets, eat live food, eat frozen food. When they were younger, they even ate rapashi. I haven't fed them a, as much rapashi now, but they'll still pick at it. Um, so they'll eat anything pretty much. Now, wild type bettas, when you first get them in, when they're from the wild, you almost never can get them to eat anything but live or frozen. They're just, their prey drive is too conditioned. So it has to kind of move or swirl in the water and be kind of this meaty thing for them to eat it. They're, they're pretty much a pure carnivore. But uh, the ones that I'm selling are captive bred. So I've raised them on, you know, yes, live food, but also flakes and pellets and all kinds of stuff. Because um, I want them to be easy to keep. And I like fish that are easy to keep and eat more than one thing. So uh, they'll eat anything. As long as it can fit in their mouth, they'll pretty much eat it. Yeah. And they're also like excited. Like when I open the lid and put my hand up to feed them, they like all rush to the top in a big group. Uh, they're, I have to say, they're, we did well with them. They're, they're doing good. Um, so that's the better rubra that, that I have available currently. Dank Tanks is here. All right. I'm glad you made it. Hope work was okay. Um, good. Glad you're here, Dank. It's always fun when you're around. And I'm going to go back down and look for more questions and comments uh, that are labeled at Dan's Fish. Let it auto-populate, click on it, and, uh, and it should highlight for you. Candy overhauls. How many names do you think you can have, Trevor? Well, it's bounced around a lot. So it's like a, what Game of Thrones, the, the faceless ones, the, the assassins in the Black Temple of Death that can become anyone. That's that's what Mile High Plecos is like. Yeah. <laughs> All right. TM, hey, welcome. Glad you made it here. Candy Overhaul says, I'm hoping at some point to sell my Epistos. I have tons of fry, but no shipping experience. Yeah. Um, Candy, if you're nervous about shipping, then I'm happy to help you if you want. Um, if you contact me, dan at dancefish.com or dan at getgills.com, then I'm happy to do like a live video chat with you and, and walk you through it if you want. Or if you want to just test a, a shipment and send it to me. Um, you can do that and then I can open it up and tell you here's what I found. In fact, you can do that without putting fish in the box. Uh, you can bag everything up uh, and not put the fish in and just send me a bag that's bagged and, and packed as if there's fish in it. If it's cold, throw in the heat pack, do everything. And then when I get it, I can show you what it's like on a video chat, say here's the result the bags leaked or the bags didn't leak, the bags, the box was warm when it came in or the box was cold when it came in, all that stuff. So anyone on here that hasn't had enough experience shipping fish that you're confident with it yet, which I totally get, um, I'm happy to help you in your efforts to do that. Another trick, um, and I talked about this on the Sergeant Tanks live stream a little bit last night, but 
you can do some tests yourself too. pack up the box as if you're going to ship it. Don't put the fish in and just leave it out in your garage for a bit and see, did it get too hot? Did it get too cold? Um, put it in your car and drive around with it for a couple days and then open it up and see what the results were. You know, don't park your car in the sun because then it'll become a super hot oven and kill anything, right? <laughs> so yeah, that's not a good experiment, but you can pack up the box and see how it does without fish in it for a few days. You can buy a thermometer that will, will record the high and the low of any 24 hour period, like this little thing. I don't know, this was what, four bucks at Walmart? And you can put that in the box and then you know what your temperature range was. So there's, there's a lot you can do to kind of test stuff out before you go and put your precious babies in a box and send them off. And I'm willing to help with any of that, anyone that wants to know how to ship fish. If you haven't seen it yet, I've got a video that I think is uh, pretty instructive on the topic. Uh, Lumpy Dog, if you get a chance, uh, could you link the shipping video here so folks can find it? Uh, about how I ship fish. Your method might be different, but the principles are the same. No matter what the method you use, the, the principles of packing ship uh, fish successfully and shipping them successfully, I think are pretty much the same. Um, Bob Kaler says, Dan's Fish, good stream with Sergeant Tank. Yeah, that was fun. I was honored that he invited me to his stream. Um, Sergeant Tank saw the live stream last week where I announced the launch of getgills.com buy fish, sell fish easy, and um, asked me if I'd go on his live stream and talk about that and, and, you know, introduce myself and some of the stuff I do. And I was just honored that he did that and that he was excited enough about the getgills.com website that he wanted that featured. So it was really cool of him to do that. That's a guy that does a lot for the hobby. He's, uh, he's service-minded. He's, he's here to help. Yeah, I like, I like uh, Jeremy a lot. Jadron, got to run. See you guys. All right, Jadron, I'll see you. And if you want this Platinum Angels, they're at getgills.com right now. Petsotics, that's a good idea. I've never shipped fish or plants, but plants, I assume, are not as complicated. That's true. Um, I think plants are probably easier. <laughs> now, people that ship super rare plants are probably being like, no way. But I think your average plant, um, you can ship without as, as much uh, risk. They're just a little more durable, I think. Now, there's some I know that ship really poorly, but yeah. Um, Michael Wilson, do the Baca folks, the Bay Area Killifish Association, still have Pantadon, brackish water lampite type. Very cool killie. Did they have Pantadons at that specific auction? I can't remember. They had several rainbows. They might have. Oh, I can't remember. I'm sorry. I can't remember. Odds are good, though, that they were there and I've forgotten. Um, I, you know, that's a fish that likes it pretty salty and I don't have any, I don't keep any brackish tanks or anything. So if they were there, I would have looked at it and been like, oh, that's super cool and just moved on and not remembered. Um, sorry. <laughs> but that is, those are some really cool fish for sure. Yep. They had some, they had some blue eyes. Uh, I think one of those was brackish. They had some lamp eyes. I can't remember if it was panted on though. Um, so Wichita Fishkeeper does have three of the L200, the green phantom plecos available. So um, I guess, hmm. Yeah, he's got three available. I don't, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll stick with that. Um, 
Excited for the calendar from Jadarin Aquatics? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, cool. Michael Wilson, sorry I missed your... Oh, hey, hey, I missed some Ad Dance Fish stuff. Sorry. I am going to go back up and get to them. I somehow skipped over that. <laughs> so Hangar 77 at Dance Fish, any thoughts on Afiosimian Australi? Yeah, um, next to Fundable Pantax Gardneri, which I think is the hardiest, easiest, best beginner killie out there. Easy to breed, easy to keep, and stunningly beautiful. I think Afiosimian Australi are probably the next best one. So they're super easy. They're gorgeous. I mean, a gold Australi, an orange Australi, a wild type Australi, they're all just super gorgeous. They have a neat lyre tail. They have neat shape to the anal fin and the dorsal fin in a great color pattern. And the golds and the oranges have all been in captivity for quite a while. So they're pretty darn hardy and used to captive conditions. So I think they're a great beginner's fish. One thing about killifish, they jump and they will find a tiny crack and jump right out of it. So that's the main thing to be aware of with killifish as far as keeping them alive and healthy. Don't let them jump because they will. And I've had them jump out of 10 gallon tanks that only had a couple inches of water in them. I mean, they can really jump. Same with wild type bettas. They'll just, <laughs> in fact, I, I shipped some out to someone recently and they arrived alive and everything was great, but they ended up jumping for that person because uh, there was a, a small hole in the lid. So if you have a hang on back filter or something like that, don't keep wild type bettas in that tank and don't keep killifish in that tank. They'll totally jump out on you. Okay, so something to know. Um, but besides that, Aphiosimian australi, great killifish. Good for someone just getting their feet wet with killifish for sure. Dance fish, yeah, dance fish. Hey, it worked. Bob Kalar, he put dance fish room. Yeah, that that won't work. The fish room won't work. 54 punchy, yeah, dance fish. The first couple of weeks, they need food right in front of them because they won't move around to find it. The Farawella catfish. But after that, they could easily be moved into a rearing tank. Okay, yeah, yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. Friday Fish Facts. Hey, Dan. Well, hey, Friday Fish Facts. Welcome. And if it's your first time here, double welcome. If you've been here all the time and I just don't recognize your name, then I apologize profusely. But um, I think you might be a new viewer or at least new commenter on the live stream. So welcome, glad you're here. Real thing for you fish tanks at Dan's Fish. Fish are doing great. They're in a 50 gallon tank, cool. I'm just waiting for them to start laying. Awesome. Um, hopefully they do, hopefully they do. In my experience, every two to three weeks, they do. Lumpy Dog, link to Petsotics store at getgills.com. Yeah, check it out. Petsotics has a lot of dry goods and some plants available. Um, Michael Wilson at Dance Fish. Got some Speartail Guppy hybrids, cool, involving Santa Maria yellows. Two of the males show the Santa Maria markings, so should have lots of nice ones by the spring, have grays and golds. That's awesome. Uh, Michael Wilson, do you have any pictures or something uh, of those? I confess, I, I don't think I visited your channel uh, in recent memory, so, or maybe I did. A couple weeks ago, maybe I did. I can't remember, I'll check your stuff out, but I'd love to see pictures of those, especially the yellows and spear tails, that would be cool. Redneck Aquatics at Dan's Fish. Do you have any Filipino blues? Nope. 
preferably the ghost pearl scale veal tail. I don't. Um, the only angelfish I have at the moment are the platinum angelfish you see behind me, plus a couple of, of pairs in breeding tanks. But they're all platinum angelfish, with the exception of this one. Oh, you can't see that one. There's one gold that came in with the shipment of platinums. Um, hopefully, though, someone will post some Filipino blues on getgills.com soon. That would be awesome. Then you could get them there. In the meantime, I know there's a Facebook group that I'm a member of called like Buy Sell Angelfish USA or something like that. I bet if you put a request out there, there's probably someone there that has some. I wish I did. I love the Philippine blues. Uh, the first time I ever saw those was in John Neiman's fish house. So John Neiman's, for those that don't know, has a has two houses. One he lives in, the other is full of fish. And he's a very active guy in Southern California in the fish hobby and the clubs and things. And he's a great guy. Uh, he helped me when I got started, you know, kind of not when I got started, I've been doing it for a while, but he helped me when I moved to LA and got started keeping fish in Los Angeles. Uh, he was a guy that would help me out, invite me over, show me how he did things, walk me through things. Great guy. He has a thousand gallon aquarium in his living room, which is lit by sunlight. So he has, are they called sono tubes that bring the sunlight down from the roof and light the, the tank that way. It's awesome. But anyway, I was in his fish house and I saw the Philippine blues. They were, it, were new to America at the time. And um, the sunlight was hitting them. This wasn't in the thousand gallon tank. This was in a different tank in his fish house. And man, those were gorgeous. And I'll never forget just that first sight of them, just those blue veins. <laughs> They're awesome. So yeah, Redneck Aquatics, you have good taste, my friend. Um, of course you do. With a name like Redneck Aquatics, you've got to have fine taste, right? <laughs> it's all caviar and champagne. Um, <laughs> all right. So, and I think I'm back caught up here. Um, real thing for you, fish tanks. Do you need oxygen to ship fish? No, not at all. Here's what oxygen does for you. It allows you to put less oxygen in the bag, okay? So um, I just sent out two breeding pairs of angelfish this week, and it's getting colder. So instead of having the bags like a quarter to a third of the way full of water and the rest all air, because I use pure oxygen, I was able to put, oh, about a little over half of it be water or maybe even three quarters of the bags be water and the rest be oxygen because the pure oxygen will absorb and in, absorb into the water, you know, very efficiently. So it allows me to put more water in the bag, which keeps the temperature when I'm shipping it a little more constant because there's just more water volume, which is, you know, takes longer to shift in temperature. That's the real advantage to oxygen in a bag when you're shipping fish. Um, but you don't need it. Most of my hobby, I didn't use it. I've been shipping fish since 1992. I've only been using oxygen for seven years. And I haven't noticed a big difference, except it gives me peace of mind, <laughs> really. And it lets me put more water in the bags for temperature control. 
Now, that being said, when I was in California and bought all the killifish uh, and stuff, um, I didn't have my oxygen with me. So I just packed those up with normal room oxygen, sent them to myself. I sent them on Tuesday and I opened the box on Saturday because I was traveling and they were just fine. I didn't use pure oxygen. I just used normal air like you get in a room. Closed the bag up with my hand and rubber banded it. Uh, double bagged, of course, all that stuff. But yeah, I, you do not, real thing, need oxygen to ship fish. It just lets you do it a little differently if you need more water and gives you peace of mind. Bob Kaler's Fish Hobby. I won't let you change from one, though. Great. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> oh, it won't let you change from one, though. Yeah, so the green plecos. So that's because uh, when Wichita added the plecos, he only put his inventory as he has one in stock. So if if he wants to change that to three, then all three will be available. Um, but it's up to him uh, how many he wants to post at a time. But if 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 Wichita changes the stock level, um, then then you can buy more. But right now he's put it as he has one available. So Wichita, if that's um, Oh, I'll fix it shortly, Bob. Great. I was going to say, if you need help doing that, Wichita, if that's something you want to do, I can walk you through that, but good. Bob Kaler's Fish Hobby. Glad real thing for you asked that. I heard from LRB, the fish Jesus, um, a bit ago that he has resolved how to ship the six goldie-eyed decay I got from him. They were biting through the breather bag. Oh, oh yeah. He's shipping with O2 in plastic. Yeah. That's uh, that can happen. Uh, corridor spines go right through those breather bags, pleco spines, anything with strength <laughs> to its jaws. Yeah, will be a problem with breather bags. They're good in a lot of situations. Uh, most killy hobbyists, you know, that's the standard. But yeah, I could see that being a problem with large uh, rainbows. Small rainbows, not so much, but big adults, yeah. Well, I'm glad it got resolved. I hope you get them real soon. I was hoping, I've, I've been looking at your channel, Bob, being like, where are they? Where are they? <laughs> um, all right. 54 Punchy Dance Fish. Have you ever had an opportunity to import Roy Indian Royal Green Pipefish? Oh, man. I want some very special colors when they breed. Need small live food, but can do that. So if I had the opportunity, yes, I've had the opportunity to import uh, a lot of fish like that. Some different types of freshwater pipe fish, some um, toothpick fish, some, some things like that. I never have, though, because they're so delicate and they're so expensive that, frankly, I'm just scared to death to do it. Um, but yeah, they're available, like not all the time, but you can, you can get them. Um, one day when things are going well and um, get gills is, is paying for itself <laughs> and um, the, some of the expenses in this fish room have been kind of worked out then then I might have the cash to try something like that just because I want to. 
up till now though, I haven't been able to do that. I just, I'm just not that flush with cash. Um, and so I've had to kind of hedge my bets, but I know that fish you're talking about and man, I love to, I'd love to do that. And yeah, you're going to have to get some Daphne cultures going, some cut scud cultures going, get some, uh, cherry shrimp cultures going maybe. So you have young cherry. In fact, if you get a tank and have a thriving cherry shrimp culture in it or colony in it, I suppose, and it's planted and everything, just put the pipefish in that. That'll be awesome. There'll be tons of small cherry shrimp babies they can eat and stuff. And then you can supplement that with Daphnia um, and with brine shrimp. Maybe scuds too, although scuds can really outcompete a shrimp culture. So you might have to be careful with that. But the scuds might be small enough, even the adults, that the pipefish could eat them. But um, one thing about those 54 is I, I've never seen anyone be successful keeping them long term, just feeding them baby brine shrimp. Uh, they really need to have the Daphnia and the other things in there uh, as well. So just keep that in mind. Yeah. But man, one day I would love to do that. You know what fish I saw when I was in California? I saw a couple fish I'd never seen in person before. One was Corridor's Weitzman eye. One was Corridor's Equus, which I have a video of that I'll be posting if, I, if it didn't already go live. And this was at Rich Byerly's fish room. Rich Byerly is a a legend in the aquarium hobby. He's been doing this forever. He's on the board of the Sacramento Aquarium Society. Um, and he has this big warehouse where he has thousands of gallons of aquariums. One of his things is this massive pond, which I can't remember how big it is, but it's, I don't know, 20 feet long or more, maybe about four feet high. And it's got big predatory catfish in it. And he also keeps African cichlids in it. And the African cichlids have a bunch of babies and then the predatory catfish eat the babies. It's kind of this, <laughs> this cool kind of little ecosystem he's set up. Um, but anyway, the other fish I saw there that your question reminded me of is the peppermint pike or the peppermint gourami, um, which I'd never seen in person before. I'd just seen pictures. That's another fish I'd like to try importing someday. I just can't do it until I'm really, I've really tied up all any spare income I have, any spare resources in getgills.com and in the fish room and stuff. So I, I'm just not flush enough to do it right now. Um, but I'd like to, I would like to. Welcome to Jeffro's Fishkeeping. We don't need to know about the bathroom, but that's the most interesting part of life. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a little FYI, FYI there, uh, or TMI there, Jeffro. <laughs> Hope you're okay. <laughs> um, last Raven 215. I was wondering, I love the swordtails you have, but how many males do you keep in the tank? Every time I put two males in with six females, they spar and look like they will kill. Oh, they will. Yeah. So swordtails keep one male with a group of females or keep several males with a group of females. Um, if you only have two, they will wear each other down. If they don't outright kill each other from battle, one of them will become dominant and then the subdominant one will just gradually waste away because he's so stressed out. Um, 
if possible, you want several females too. If you have only one female, then the male can just, you know, keep trying to breed with her and bug her over and over and over and over and she can get stressed out too. So if you only like have a pair, then let them breed, but then separate them, give that female a break, let her have her babies, let her recover from having her babies and then add her back in with the male. That's how I would do that if I just had a pair. Ideally, you have five males or more and at least as many females, if not more, if you want to have more than one male in a tank. Um, also, visual barriers, plants, or places for them to kind of get away from each other, um, that that works as well. Um, but, you know, I've, I've, I have sword tails in this tank, and they do great, but I have multiple males, so they spar frequently, which is great to watch, but there's so many males in there that they don't ever just pick on one to the point where that male gets run down. So last Raven 215, yeah, sword tail males can be very aggressive to each other and they can be hard drivers on the females. So you kind of have to do the cichlid thing where you get a group of them to spread aggression. Um, okay, I have multiple male leer tail, so he wasn't breeding. Yeah, that's right. He's not breeding, but he's going to try to breed. So the liar tails, even though they can't breed, they'll still drive the females. They still want to breed. They don't know that they aren't going to be successful. So they still have that attitude. Yeah. Prolific breed. Thanks for sharing the wealth of knowledge, Dan. You're welcome, prolific breed. Thanks for being here. And uh, yeah, I'm glad you're around. And I hope the fish are doing well. <laughs> I hope they're still doing awesome. Let me talk. I find that the early maturing sword males are much more aggressive than the normally maturing males. Oh, that's interesting. I typically call early, I can't speak. I typically call early maturing males. Yeah. So I, I've never paid attention to that lumpy dog. I totally believe it. I hadn't noted it. Um, what I do know about early maturing males is they're often going to stay small. So this is how some of our swords, sword tail strains have lost the robust size of the males because the early maturing males mature early and therefore they breed with the females and they carry that set of genes, right? And eventually the late maturing males, which tend to grow into the large, big, beautiful sword tails, um, don't get a chance to breed. So we gradually kind of end up with fish which are smaller um, and more early maturing. So if you want to keep a colony of swordtails thriving long-term and you want to keep the size and the potential of those males, um, then what you need to do is remove the early maturing males and wait for one of the slow maturing males to come up and reach, you know, that's going to be one that will grow larger and reach potential. Um, Greg Sage has a lot of information about this at selectaquatics.com and at his YouTube channel if you want to dig in more. But that's kind of the principle behind it. 54 Punchy, I have the perfect tank for the Indian pipefish. Heavily planted, hundreds of shrimp. Oh yeah, they love that. Only fish in it are a breeding colony of pygmy quarries. Yeah, that's, that sounds fantastic. Um, one day, maybe I'll get you some. I can't do it now though. It's just too much, too much risk for me right now. Philly Man Pete, 10 bucks. Thank you, Philly Man Pete. I appreciate it. 
You and Lucas are my favorite YouTubers. Thanks for your feedback and keep up the good work. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for the uh, super chat. Thanks for chiming in. Thanks for the questions. And thanks for comparing me to LR Bretts. That's an honor. That guy's awesome. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, all right. Fifty-four punchy. I just need to find the pipefish for sale. Finding other pipefish, but not the Indian Royal. Yeah, I have a lot of patience, though. I'll find them. Yeah, I mean they're they they do occasionally show up. They command a super high price, um, and the risk is high because they're going to be delicate to acclimate. But they're worth trying. I mean they're awesome. Petsotics, I agree. Thanks for sharing the wealth of knowledge, Dan, and for the Get Gills website. I love it. Well, thank you. Thanks for posting on it. And I'm looking forward to getting the Seachem uh, Prime from you soon. I, I was running out, so I was glad you posted some. Gone Mad, really like your stream. Glad Jeremy had you on his channel. Dan the man. Well, thanks, Gone Mad. Thanks for coming. Fish Jesus, yeah, that's LR Bretts. I mean, I have to be careful with that because my understanding, he's he doesn't really appreciate that comment, but every time I see him, I'm like, well, <laughs> it's just so fitting. <laughs> TM Aquatics. Are there any live bearers that I could use as dither fish with my zebra plecos? Yes. That thrive in warmer temps. Yes, absolutely. Um, in fact, I use, I use live bearers all the time for this purpose. Not for zebra plecos. I don't have those, but they're great with any fish that you're like, hey, that fish is super shy. Um, throw some live bearers in there and usually that'll help draw them out. So guppies should do fine. Now, zebra plecos uh, like to eat meat. They're probably not going to bother guppies, but if they did, it's most likely going to be guppies with a long flowing tail fin. Just because when a guppy's sleeping, that thing is so like spread out that the zebra pleco could, could get it. Now, I'm not saying they're ginu and a lot of people keep fantails and delta tail guppies and things with zebra plecos with no problem, but just be aware of that risk. But um, guppies, endlers, mollies would all do great. They like the high temperatures um, and they're active and peaceful. With the zebras, I would tend to go with guppies and endlers instead of mollies, just because mollies can grow into large, powerful fish that might intimidate the zebras a little bit. I'm not saying they're going to go after the zebras, but they could just intimidate them a bit. Probably not, but it's a possibility. Balloon mollies, much as I kind of hate deformed fish like that, uh, they're a pretty peaceful thing. Uh, little fish that can't really hurt anything because they can't hardly swim. <laughs> but yeah, those would do well. There's several other species of live bearers that like it hot as well. Um, I think that the Limia perugiae would do fine in those high temperatures, as would the uh, Limia nigrofasciata. The lake they come from uh, tends to be pretty warm, and so those would probably do fine. But that'll get you started. Yeah. And I think that's a great idea, by the way. I think you'll see a whole new world with your zebra plecos if you do that. One other fish that would be awesome for that, which is not a live bearer, it's a rainbow fish, a blue eye would be um, Pseudomugil tenilatus. They like high temperatures and they like hot water, warm water. 
and they usually don't get that. So you kind of just see this kind of tan fish with some shiny spangles on them. But if you get them in warm water and hard water, they turn really dark with these brilliant spangles. They're gorgeous. So that's a small little peaceful blue eye rainbow fish, kind of the same temperament as like a fricata rainbow or, or something like that. So those are my thoughts, TM, and I think you're right to do that. Just quarantine the heck out of those live bears first. Uh, <laughs> hate to bring a disease in to a zebra pleco tank, right? Wichita, I keep my male handlers with my L134s, 84 degrees. Perfect. And they're available right now at getgills.com. Sorry, I can't help plugging it. <laughs> I just can't. Anyway, um, folks, we've reached the bottom of the chat. We've been going, oh, for an hour and a half. So it's about time to wrap it up. If anyone has uh, any last minute comments or questions that they need help with or just want to get out there before the stream ends, now's the time because shortly here, we're going to wrap up. Hmm. So I actually think that's probably a wrap. We've been going for a while. Before we go, thanks to everyone who participated in the stream, who commented or asked questions or helped other people out that were commenting. Um, made it so everyone had a good time. Really appreciate that. Anyone that super chatted, thank you so much. Always appreciated. Never required, but every bit helps for sure. Uh, to Lumpy Dog, my main mod, thanks so much. I really appreciate Lumpy you doing what you do for us here, not just on this channel. I especially appreciate what you do for my channel, but throughout the fish fam and the aquarium hobby. Thanks so much. And anyone that posted fish at getgills.com, thank you. That's helping that site be successful. If you haven't and you have fish for sale, please check it out and consider posting your fish there. It would help it get off the ground and, and be sustainable. Anyway, that's it. Until next Wednesday, seven o'clock PM mountain time. We'll see you then. And keep an eye out for the Corridor's Equus video. It's very short, but, um, but they're gorgeous. All right. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate you all. And I will see you.